Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass Free Agency Extravaganza, Alex, as the Patriots and the rest of the NFL set to begin the free agency window on Monday, unofficially. Wednesday officially is the start of the league year, but a lot going on already around the NFL. We've already seen quite a few quarterback trades and rumors and things of that nature. And today we got some Patriots adjacent news as well. The news of the day, at least in the NFL. And I'm not talking about baseball returning, but that that's a good thing as well for sports in general. But it's Trey Flowers getting released by the Detroit Lions. So we'll talk about that. We'll also touch on the Patriots pursuit of wide receivers, which I should add is a wide range of wide receivers, right? We're talking about guys at the top of the market. We are also talking about guys that are more role players at the lower ends of the market as well. And then at the end of the show, once we hit on some of these topics, we are going to open it up to you guys in the chat to do kind of a rapid fire end of the show here. You guys throw names at us. We tell you if we like it or not for the Patriots. So that's the agenda. Let's start with, Trey Flowers released today by the Detroit Lions, that five-year, $90 million contract that Matt Patricia and the Lions signed to Trey Flowers to a couple years ago. Doesn't end up working out so well for Detroit. He's been injured the last couple of years, only played 600 snaps over the last two seasons. But for obvious reasons, go right on down the line from Kyle Van Noy to Trent Brown to wherever you want to go next with it. There are a lot of names that the Patriots have brought him back for second stints, and Trey Flowers feels like somebody that would fit right into that mold. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, I mean, he absolutely feels a need. You know, this team needs a guy. A lot of people earlier in the offseason, maybe even to this point, talked about bringing Chandler Jones back, right? You can't have, and it would be fun. Like, I like Chandler Jones, he's a good player. You can't have Chandler Jones, Matthew Trudon in the same defense. Not the way they play defense. If you put those two guys on the edge against the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen's going to run for approximately 350 yards in that game. What the Patriots really need, especially now that they've released Kyle Van Noy, they need a big body. Like Judon, Judon's going to pin his ears back and go after the quarterback. And that's great, and that's awesome. You need a pass rusher like that. It's really tough to have guys like that on both sides because you lose your, your contain. You lose your pass rush discipline. What they really need is a big body on that strong side who's going to hold that pocket, who's going to hold up the edge edge against the run, basically cut that side off from anybody breaking to the outside, either running back or scrambling quarterback. 
Trey Flowers can do that, and within that context, can still get after the quarterback. He had 21 sacks in New England his first stint here. That is exactly what this team needs. That would A player like that would be a huge boost to this defense. He looks like he can still do it at a high level. His production issues in Detroit, I don't think they were due to talent drop-off. I think they were just due to, one, the team as a whole sucked, and two, he couldn't stay on the field. If he stays healthy, he would be a massive, massive boost. This is absolutely something the Patriots should pursue. The other thing, let me ask you, I don't know if you looked this up today. If you didn't, I'm really curious what you think because I was surprised. How old do you think Trey Flowers is? Probably 27. Oh, you looked it up, didn't you? No, you looked it up. You have four years in the NFL. You're 25, 26. You put too much thought into it. Gut reaction, I figured Trey Flowers is probably about 30. He's 28. He'll turn 29 in camp. He's a guy, realistically, and, and because of those injuries I mentioned, I don't know that his value, his market, will reflect a player of his skill set because I think yeah. teams are going to look at that. Seven games in 2020, seven games in 2021, they're going to be concerned. He is absolutely a candidate. He is the perfect candidate for come here for a year, reset your market, then go get paid. Like, that's what he needs. If he plays a fully healthy season in New England, that could be a $10, $15 million a year AAV difference between him signing a long-term contract right now and him signing it next year. So a guy I think they can get on on a one-year deal. They can get on affordable money who fills a need. Yes, 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 and yes. This is the reunion. And, and we've kind of talked about it in passing yeah. on the air, off the air. Now it's real. He's been cut. This is the reunion the Patriots should pursue. Outside of whatever's going on at the quarterback, uh, the cornerback situation, Trey Flowers might be my top-ranked free agent for the Patriots right now. And this can happen right away. This can happen awfully quickly. And I go back to, I remember last year, it might have been the exact same show that Kyle Van Noy got released by the Detroit, uh, by the uh, Miami Dolphins, excuse me. And we did a segment on the Patriots signing Kyle Van Noy almost immediately. And then within 24 hours or something like that, it came together and they did end up bringing Kyle Van Noy back. Because he was released, he doesn't have to wait till the start of the league year or the legal tampering period to sign a contract. So Trey Flowers could be signed by the end of the weekend. It could be he could be signed so, within the next day or two. For what it's worth, because I, I it's an interesting point. I wondered this, the historical context on this, because we have a really good example in last year in Van Noy, like you mentioned. Yeah. Van Noy signed the Friday of free agency week last year. Right? I believe the new league year was the 17th, right? Right. So he signed on the 19th last year. That Friday. Yeah. Okay. So he did wait a little bit until the market opened up is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Okay. Which I would, th- it, look, it's a good point. I would think yeah. that both flowers and the Patriots want to see what the market looks like. I don't think they'd like handcuff themselves right before you can really see what's going on. Yeah. I think the other thing with Trey flowers, you pretty much summed up why he's a great fit. The one other thing I would say is that they need somebody on that defensive line besides Judon and Barmore that can beat a block because they right. have a bunch of guys in Lawrence guy and Devon Godshaw. I think they thought that guy was going to be Dietrich wise and that hasn't necessarily worked out. And I can look it up here in a second. Miguel probably has it up on, on Pat's cap on his Twitter handle, the Patriots, what they could potentially save by cutting Dietrich wise or trading Dietrich wise might actually make this move a twofer, right? Where you bring Trey flowers back and you might end up moving on from wise. Who's probably the other guy that they thought was going to be that block beater on the line of scrimmage. You got guys like Lawrence guy, Devon Godshaw, 
those types of players are gap eaters. They're holding the line of scrimmage. They are not guys that are meant to penetrate and get in the backfield and make splash plays behind the line of scrimmage. When the season wore on and Judon faded a little bit, Barmore never faded. He was a beast the entire year. But when Judon started to fade a little bit towards the end of the year, I think what ended up happening is it's similar when you have an offense in a, a receiving core where you only have two guys, right? You, you have one guy over the top and one guy underneath, right? The 09 Patriots. Right. When you only have two pass rushers up front that scare teams that can actually win one-on-one, then you can scheme ways to take both of those guys out. So Barmore's an interior player. So maybe they double him inside. And then Judon on the outside is getting chipped and he's getting backs and tight ends in his way on the way to the quarterback. Those are easy to do uh, for a team, especially smart coaching staffs. And now you're trapped in that if you're the Patriots and you don't have a third guy that can go ahead and beat a block. I think Wise and I think Josh Uche or Chase Winovich were supposed to be those guys and it didn't pan out that way. So now maybe Trey Flowers comes back and is that third guy and becomes a three-headed monster that can get after the quarterback. You mentioned the last two seasons only played seven games apiece. His value could not possibly be lower than it is right now on the open market in terms of what he could bring. And I think that there's this jump for a lot of Patriots fans, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with the overall premise, but the jump is that they need to get younger at on defense at all three levels, and we should play the kids and do all those types of things. But I think that there's a give and take with that because first and foremost, Belichick's not going to play all the kids. Like we know that like they're not going to put out four or five rookies on the defensive side of the ball. They're just not going to do that. So I would like to see it not be the Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy show with all these veterans out there, but adding one more guy back into the mix like Trey Flowers, because if they draft a guy in the second or the third round that plays defensive line, unless he's as good as Barmore was, he's not going to play right away. We know that. Even Barmore took some time to to earn his role and expand his role into a more full-time capacity. So just knowing the way that Bill Belichick operates – knowing what the Patriots need on the defensive line. I think this checks one box off their offseason priority list by bringing a guy like Trey Flowers back. You have the Belichick connection. You have the Matt Patricia connection, certainly. As Although, as real quick on the Matt Patricia Detroit. connection. Yeah. I went on this rant a couple weeks ago, something unrelated. If you Google Trey Flowers, cover, or if you search Trey Flowers coverage on Twitter. Oh, no. And they used to do that thing where they put Trey Flowers in coverage on third down. Yeah. Well, Matt Patricia's coaching the offensive side of the ball now, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, right. Can we just think about, though, like Matthew Judon, Christian Barmore, Trey Flowers across that defensive line on third down? Yeah, it'd be great. Oh, that would be fun. And, and oh, maybe somebody like Ronnie, fun. Ronnie Perkins or Josh Uche ends up actually being something next year, and he had even more juice into that pass rush package, right? So, right. Or maybe they draft a, a guy, you know, in the, a Leo Chanel or somebody like that that can also blitz up the middle. And you start to actually get after the quarterback a little bit more than what they did at the end of last year. And, yeah, we're all both on board with Trey Flowers. I don't think it's going to cost the Patriots very much at all, uh, given the fact that he hasn't had the production, hasn't been on the field over the last couple of years. And his last season with Patricia, even though he only played half the year and was hurt and in and out of the lineup, his – production was actually at the same clip as it had been the rest of his, his uh, career in the NFL. 
so I actually think that the transition last year of away from Patricia and into Dan Campbell's staff also hurt Trey Flowers a lot in terms of his role was not what he was hired to do in Detroit anymore. And that I think really uh, played with him a little bit when he was in that system between the Patriots and then between the Lions, he was in that Belichick system for his entire career up until that point. So a totally different scheme. So we're both all in on Trey Flowers. That's a great move the Patriots could potentially make. And I think that one could come together as soon as next week, if not earlier. I think this one's really got some legs to it. Yeah. No, I, yeah, again, I put it, I, it's funny. I think the two guys I put like, they need a corner, right? So I probably should have a corner higher. I guess Carlton Davis would probably be my number one free agent for them. After that, my two biggest names are guys who are cutting. What is it? The last 48 hours, Bobby Wagner and Trey flowers. Yeah. Like so we're they, get to Bobby Wagner in a second. If they had a corner and one of those two guys, and I don't know that that would cost them. I don't really know what Wagner's market's going to be. Actually, I'm kind of stuck on that one. But if they were to add like a mid-level corner in Trey Flowers, doesn't that feel like a success? Doesn't that feel like a good? And I've talked about this before. They don't need to have that fireworks free agency this year that they had last year for it to be a success. I, you know, you pair it with the draft, obviously. But I've used the term targeted signings. I think specifically targeted signings are kind of what they need. And that's what it feels like. All right. Solid, strong side edge defender. You add a veteran corner, you draft another one. Now it feels like even though you lose JC Jackson, it feels like the pieces are kind of starting to come together on defense. Doesn't it? And I wouldn't call any of maybe Carlton Davis, if that's the corner they go with would be, but I don't know that any of those signings would be like monumental home run signings right yeah i want to take a second to shout out our sponsors at betonline.ag football might be over for the season but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds totals player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land bet online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started and it's not just basketball. Bet online is your source for hockey, boxing and UFC odds. Right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online is your number one online wagering destination bet online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts so here's the thing i i think that the general consensus when you talk to people around the league about the patriots free agency is they are probably going to go back to their conservative approach in free agency that we've seen pre-2021 Obviously, that I think that's a given, given their salary cap situation. They don't have the money to go on another spending right. spree, so they're not going to do it. So league-wide, the consensus or the belief is that the Patriots are going to be a little bit more conservative. Like you said, Chase, particular value signings like a Trey Flowers, potentially somebody in that mold. I, I don't think that they're going to spend big at corner. I don't think Carlton Davis is going to be on the radar necessarily, as always. They call everybody, they monitor everything. 
Carl Davis doesn't have as big of a market as he thought he was going to have, then maybe that could change, right? But I don't think that right. that's the player that they're going to be surging for. If the Patriots are going to go out and they're going to sign a big ticket free agent, my understanding is that it's going to be at the wide receiver position. And this is something that has been a lingering issue for New England. We've talked about it several times, and it continues to consistently creep up on them that they just don't have the high-end receiver talent that some of these other teams do. They got the complimentary guys. They got the Kendrick Bournes. They got the Jacoby Myers. They got Hunter Henry. But they don't have that number one guy. And I would also mention that not only have I heard that the Patriots have been linked to some of those top free agent wide receivers that we'll get to in a second, I've also heard that they've been linked to lower end guys that are more role players that can fit into specific roles into the offense. And I think the ultimate goal here for new England is they truly feel internally like they are not that far away on offense. I think they feel like they're returning basically 10 out of 11 starters. If you want to count Mike on when as a starter on the offensive line. So they have to plug one hole on the offensive line. They have to figure out what they're going to do with pass catching back, whether it's just, status quo with Brandon Bolden and James White, or they're going a little bit outside the box on that thing. And they also need that number one star wide receiver to be the cherry on top. Allen Robinson is a legitimate possibility for the Patriots this offseason. They wanted to sign him last offseason. He didn't end up hitting the open market. He was franchise tagged by the Chicago Bears. They're gearing up to make another run at him again this offseason. Depends on who you ask in terms of his market. Some people think he's going to come down a little bit below market value just because he wasn't as good last year in Chicago and dealt with some injuries, whereas other people think he can be worth up to $20 million a year, right? So there's a, a wide range of opinions on exactly what Allen Robinson's going to get paid. But I think the overall consensus is that somebody like Allen Robinson is going to be squarely on New England's radar going into free agency and they would like to upgrade that Nelson Aguilar spot and bring in somebody who's a better player than that. Yeah, the only thing I'd say to that, and you talk about what his market's going to be, most people think it'll be lower, a couple people think it'll be higher. All it takes is one team to think it's higher, right? right. All it takes is if if 31 teams think he's worth $10 million a year and one other team thinks he's worth $20 million a year, well, then he's worth $20 million a year because that's what one team is going to pay and that's where he's going to go. So that's why his case is an interesting one to me because it, it really is a case of he had, he had such a drop-off last year. Right. And I talked about this on Tuesday, and I said it kind of gave me pause and red flags because the production was so low. I went back and I watched some more Chicago Bears since that show, and I, I don't. it wasn't entirely him. It you're, definitely wasn't you're coming entirely. around to it. I like it. I don't think he was great last year. I also yeah. just wonder if I don't want to say he was dogging it. Like I don't, I, that's not the right way to put it, but it's just, I, I think it was, it was so hard to compete in that offense because it was, you know, yeah, nobody else is so getting so the ball. The pitch. So here's the pitch. If you're the Patriots, right? Allen Robinson, his whole career, whether it was in Jacksonville or it was in right. Chicago, he's got a revolving door at quarterback. He's got a revolving door at head coach, different OCs in and out, different playbooks in and out. He's going to have better options in terms of quarterback play than Mac Jones. That's no slight on Mac Jones. I just mean the teams at the top of the market 
that are going to be at the front of the line for Allen Robinson. We like he could he might have a call from Kansas City, right? So I, I'm saying that the, these teams that have Patrick Mahomes level quarterbacks, those guys are also going to be in buying for Allen Robinson as well. So right. I'm not trying to take a shot at Mac. I'm just saying the best of the best are going to be after a guy like Allen Robinson. So with that being said, he might have a better quarterback that he could potentially go play for, but he's not going to have a more stable organization. I would say in a lot of ways, he's going to know that the playbook's going to stay the same. The quarterback's going to stay the same and the head coach is going to stay the same. And that's something that I think the Patriots will sell Robinson on along with the fact that they can show him their offense and say, we put you with Bourne, with Myers, with Henry, with the running game that we have. Mac's going to take a year or two leap in his second season in the NFL. And you are the final piece to the puzzle. We're going to drop you in. And it's going to be like when the Bills acquired Stephon Diggs and everything just came together for Buffalo, right? So that's right. the pitch for Allen Robinson. The question is, at this stage, does he prioritize playing with a marquee quarterback so highly because of what he's gone through in his career when he's playing with Blake Bortles and he's playing with Andy Dalton in the end of his career and all these types of things that it's not enough of a pitch for the Patriots. But I, I I do think that they're going to come in strong after Allen Robinson. And I I think it would be worth it. I, I think he's a player that no, he's not a burner over the top, but I don't know if the Patriots necessarily thrive with guys like that right I, I think that the guy not in that, that role they, they usually get the best production out of are people that are detailed and route running oriented and have some contested catchability and ability to win down the field in that sense with his size and I think Allen Robinson checks a lot of those boxes this is a guy that's been one of the best route runners inside outside versatility all those types of things in the national football league for this decade, right? He's really one of the top technicians that the league has seen over the last 10 years. So I, I'm not super, super high on it. Like, Oh, I think that they're going to win the super bowl. If they sign Allen Robinson, I, I wouldn't go there, but I think that this is out of all the options that they're on the market. This is a hundred percent, the best one, best outcome for the Patriots. Yeah. Again, I, I, I think it goes back to, you talked about, well, does he, you know, is he going to want to play with a premium quarterback compared to the guys he's played with? He may think Mac Jones, a premium quarterback. Fair like, let's not yeah. roll that out. I, um, I, I, but again, the problem is everything you just said fits. It's just, you know, you have to hope if you're the Patriots teams look at the tape last year and are scared off. Yeah. Because again, all it takes is one team to say, yeah, he sucked last year, but man, he thousand yard receiver, all of that. You know, right in last year, Mitchell Trubisky in 2020. Yeah, you can definitely make the take that last year was the anomaly of Allen Robinson's career, not the norm. That's right. But you need teams to believe. That's the thing. I just I wonder if one team is going to say, you know, it all again, it only takes one team to say, yeah, well, he was so good in 2020. We don't care. And then the question is, because, again, I think Robinson in theory, right, if you're going off of last year was the anomaly, if this is what the Patriots believe that if they really believe that he's so far above everybody else on the market outside of maybe Amari Cooper, are the Patriots willing to get in a bidding war for him? Or are they going to go value and say, no, we'll take our business to Robbie Anderson or we'll take our business to whoever. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if he's, if, if they see enough that 
they would be willing to get a bidding for war for him because it seems like if you like Allen Robinson, that's going to be the case. Yeah, I, I think ultimately what the goal is here for New England is like I, I broke it down earlier. They have those three holes. They need a, to fill a spot on the offensive line. They need to shore up third down running back, receiving back, and they needed a number one wide receiver. Right. Those are the three holes on the offensive side of the football. And those three holes, I think, are easily filled through the veteran market. Whereas the issues that they have on defense, I think, are much harder to fill with free agents giving their cap situation because they aren't going to pay a corner at the top of the market. And they're not going to pay another pass rusher after paying Judon last year. So, or a line, you know, off ball linebacker, not really where the value is in free agency for inside linebackers. So allowing running, uh, allowing wide receiver to check that box, you get Allen Robinson, you get somebody of that ilk and checking that box in free agency then allows you to go to the draft and draft defense right off the top of the draft, right? Your corner, get another linebacker, get another impact player in the front seven and go balls to the wall on defense. And I think when you look at the class, I mean, we've talked about the draft as much as anybody. When you look at how great of a class this is on defense, defensive line, linebacker, all these positions are loaded. I think the corner is maybe the weakest of all the defensive positions, but maybe safety. Yeah, defensive back is weaker than the front seven prospects, but there's still plenty of options there for them and all three levels of the defense in the draft. So I think that that's the plan. Now, the other thing that I've been hearing about wide receivers is that it's not just at the top of the market for New England. And the two names that I've heard linked to the Patriots so far are Jakeem Grant and Alan Lazard. Uh, Jakeem Grant is a really intriguing one. I I think that Patriots fans want them to have an Isaiah McKenzie type player in their offense, somebody that can horizontally stretch the field, somebody that can be that scheme ball carrier, throw them screen passes, swing passes out of the backfield, end arounds, jet sweeps, and have somebody that can be a game breaker with the football in his hands going sideline to sideline. And that's exactly what Jakeem Grant is on top of that. He can add return ability, kick returns, punt returns. So he kind of does all of those things. Obviously, those are not number one wide receivers. Those are not guys that change the complexion of your offense. But Jakeem Grant would be a nice piece here in New England. I think he also, and and I'm, I'm in on it. I love the idea of them getting like one of those hybrid slot receiver third down back guys, right? Which yeah. would be Jakeem Brandt, Grant, uh, Jarek McKinnon was the guy I – it, it, kind yeah. of the same player. I'm not saying, you know, one or the other. Um, that's, although now they're just bringing in the Chicago Bears offense, aren't they? Well, they uh, also, so I, they have we're going to really find out about Justin Fields versus Mac Jones, aren't we? Um, yeah. They, yeah. I, I, I can't get confirmation on it, but Deontay Harris is also a restricted free agent who has a similar mold to that as well. Was he on I, the Bears last year? Uh, no, he's on the same. Okay. Uh, Ty Montgomery is a free agent. He's one of those yeah. players that can play kind of Swiss Army knife, running back, wide receiver. So I would expect, with knowing that they are in Jakeem Grant's market, I would expect them to be interested in all those types of players sure. in that role. I think with Grant, though, specifically, if, if since since he's the name you have, right? If you're going to replace Nelson Aguilar with Allen Robinson, and I'm assuming that, and I I, I haven't heard this, but it's just. I think a common sense assumption based on what's been out there. If they bring in Allen Robinson, that's probably it for Nelson Aguilar, right? So while that's probably an upgrade overall, Aguilar's most of their speed on offense. And you're going to be a pretty slow offensive unit if you make that. 
you had a guy like Jakeem Grant. I mean, that he has elite NFL speed. Right. So you bring that dynamic. And I you mentioned some of those other names, Ty Montgomery, except right, Deontay Harris. Grant's probably the fastest of that group, Definitely. I would think. Maybe if you want to bring Jarek McKinnon into the conversation, it would get close. But um, if they are going to make that move for Allen Robinson, you got to have you have to have speed on the offensive side of the ball somewhere. It doesn't have to be at the X, but you need that burner. You need that mismatch. You saw what happened last year with Isaiah McKenzie, what that speed right. guy could do. Just winning on speed and speed alone is what yeah. McKenzie did last year against the Patriots. So if you're going to make a move for a guy like an Allen Robinson, yeah, absolutely. I think a guy like Jakeem Grant, like you said, maybe doesn't change the overall complexion of your offense, but that's a really, really strong complementary move. If you pair those two together, even though again, well, now you're just the Chicago Bears with Mac Jones instead of Justin Fields and a better yeah, offensive it, line and a better coach. Yeah, maybe that's moving in the right direction. So yeah, Jakeem Grant, not going to necessarily bring vertical speed to the offense. I mean, I'm sure he could run down the field and clear, clear out some space, but he's not a known. He, do what Demir, he could do what Demir Bird did, right? Yeah, I, I guess. Another so. Chicago Bear. He's Demir more Bird. of a guy, though, that's going to stretch it out horizontally, right? right. He's going to stretch the defense sideline to sideline, which honestly isn't a bad thing, especially with those technicians on the inside. Guys like Bourne, Myers, Henry, and Allen Robinson potentially – it's stretching that defense out and widening those zones or how are stressing those help defenders in the middle of the field. And man, that's how you allow those guys to get one-on-ones and get open in the middle of the field. So that that's the the general plan. I also just uh, mentioned Alan Lazard as well as a restricted free agent. Uh, the Patriots have shown some interest in him too, uh, from the green Bay Packers. I'm not sure if the Packers are going to tender him, but the Packers because of Aaron Rodgers's contract are way, way over the salary cap right now. They're actually $42 million in the red uh, after they signed Aaron Rodgers to that contract. So this is one of those situations similar to with Deontay Harris, I would say, too, is a restricted free agent with New Orleans. Those teams don't have the money uh, to match an offer sheet, right? If you This is the Chris Hogan thing all over again. If the Patriots just make it a little bit of an emphasis, then that's going to be difficult uh, for the Packers or for the Saints to match it given their salary cap commitments already next season. So those are two RFAs that I would also look out for. The Patriots have also kicked the tires on some real, line. Real quick on that. Wait, who was yeah. it? Because you cut out there for a second. Lazard and who was the other one? Deontay Harris is also a restricted. Deontay Harris and RFA. Okay. Yeah. Um, does that pick convey this year or next year? That pick would convey this year, I think, but I'd ha- I have to double check on that. I'm not. I, I would be wary of that. I think in this yeah. class, they already, they're already under, right? They already have just six picks. Yeah, no. I, 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 I would try to get yeah. that done without an RFA. Or maybe you figure yeah. something out where, because they can, can't they like, ha- can't they agree to alternate compensation? They could potentially. I The way that I look at Lazard, they could tender him at the second round level. It's almost $4 million though. And he's not a $4 million player, most likely. Maybe he's right around that. And nobody is going to give up a second round pick for Alan Lazard, right? So right. he's going to be on the team next year on that tender. Unless Aaron Rodgers comes into your office, Mike Gooden-Koonst and says, I want Alan Lazard here, make it happen. That's one that Green Bay can probably do without, right? I I, I don't think that there's going to be a big push. So uh, again, when it comes to tendering, it could just be a, a right of first refusal tender or right. where you're not giving up a draft pick, or it could be a situation where 
they don't tender him at all. And okay, he's yeah. technically just an, a, a UFA at that point. So I don't think that if the page, if the Packers put a second round tender on Lazard, I would assume the Patriots would be out. Right. I, I don't think they're giving up right. any draft as they should be. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. Clear that up. All right. Yes. So let's talk linebackers here because uh, even though the off ball linebacker class is absolutely loaded in the draft. And I also should mention that just because we're talking about the Patriots potentially signing wide receivers or linebackers, it doesn't inhibit them from doing it in the draft, right? They can still draft that position. And I, I also would say that they're not going to be able to do everything. So some, something's going to fall through the cracks to, to the draft in April. So, uh, you know, don't, panicked if you want a wide receiver in the draft and we're talking a lot about Allen robinson it, it's not a done deal by any means looking at linebacker you mentioned bobby wagner we can go there the interesting thing about bobby wagner that i see on top of the age thing right he's 31 years old and last year wasn't his best year on tape and he's still a good player but i, I don't know if he's the all pro all decade team bobby wagner anymore the other thing is you cannot possibly go from a different scheme than the Seattle three to what the Patriots do. You're going from a zone heavy coverage scheme that puts the mic in high stress coverage situations to a man coverage scheme that wants to blitz the Mike linebacker. It's totally different realms of, of football. I mean, it's all football, but it's totally different. So on top from his age to the fact that I think there would be a pretty steep adjustment for him uh, scheme wise, I'm not huge going in on Bobby Wagner. He's also his own agent, which I find really interesting in all these types of things, like how that is going to end up working itself out. But when I look at the suitors for a guy like Bobby Wagner, I think a Dallas with Dan Quinn, I think a San Francisco who basically emulates the Seattle three, he's probably going to want to go play for a team that has more, a possibility to contend in like the New York jets, but maybe Robert Sala calls them and says, well, we're going to put you in the mic here. I just don't necessarily see at this stage of his career, Bobby Wagner wanting to go and learn an entire new system and an entire new playbook. So the one thing I would say to that, and you speculated this, I actually don't think this is what they're going to do, but enough people have speculated it that, that I'm taking it seriously with Tracy Jackson, leaving the odds of them becoming a zone team. And what if this defense, it's not going to be exactly what Seattle is, right? But what if this defense looks more like the Seattle zone defense in 2022 than it has in the past? And then you bring in a guy where a lot of your players aren't going to have experience in that system. You bring in a guy who helped grow that system and helped make that system what it is, right? So that, if they sign Bobby Wagner, that tells me that. Get ready for, for zone football. Trying to catch up with my mic here. Get ready for zone football in 2022. Man, I... I, I don't necessarily disagree with some of that that's out there about them going to more zone. And I can, I don't believe it, but enough people have said it that I think we need to consider it an option. That kind of stuff. I, I get it. You know, I think that there are some things to be said for the fact that you're going to go up against these Josh Allen type quarterbacks and, and having eyes on the QB and probably flooding. You look at what Cincinnati did during their playoff run, which was really drop eight, drop seven in zone coverage. And, being able to blur the lines for the quarterbacks, right. And make it right. more difficult for the quarterbacks to decipher. I think there is some thing to be said for that. And it might be a trend that's catching on. Belichick honestly 
started the drop eight thing. Not, you know, it, everything comes in and out of the league, right? Things are, right. you can go back 40 years ago and find drop eight, but uh, Belichick started dropping eight against Patrick Mahomes. They, they came out, their first game plan against Mahomes early on in his career was to bits, blitz the crap out of him, right? That was their first game plan. Then they went away from that and they started the drop eight stuff. So I could see a little bit more of a shift to zone. They certainly shifted the zone a little bit more at times last year. But I go back to the answer that Steve Belichick gave me when I asked him about zone. And they said, uh, he said that they're a man coverage defense. Everybody in the building wants to play man coverage. I just can't see them completely going away from the foundation of man coverage. If the personnel calls for it, if the game plan calls for it, that then they might skew more towards zone, but becoming a zone based defense, I think is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. I, 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 I don't believe it again. I don't believe it. I don't know how they're going to pull off man defense, what they're going to have to do with corner. It's going to be an adventure, but I, 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 again, I think we have to consider it just because it's been put out there and it does feel like, yeah. personnel wise, it would be easier to kind of round out a zone defense and basically completely overhaul the cornerback position and play man, which is what they're going to have to do. Yeah. It, zone would also be a lot different. Like, you know, uh, Robert said in the chat, like a lot different than Seattle's zone, right? They, 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 they play man match zone. Right. right. But if you're, if, if you're redesigning the defense, like I, in the context of Wagner, you could, if you're redesigning the defense anyway, you could carve out a role for Wagner that he's familiar with. Fair enough. I mean, they're not going to be playing Mabel is my point, right? They're not going to be playing right. straight cover three or cloud or anything like that. They're going to be playing maybe some straight cover two and some straight three on early downs. But for the most part, it's going to be match. And that's essentially man on the outside. Like there's some differences, obviously, but it's mainly man coverage on the outside, especially when it's a vertical routes on the outside for receivers. You're, you're going to get a lot of man coverage anyways. But the one name I did want to mention in the linebackers is Leighton Vander Esch. I, I've heard that the Patriots were not only really high on him in the 2018 draft. I, I wonder if Leighton Vander Esch went 19 and Isaiah Wynn went 23 to New England. They had four picks later. Apparently, coming out of college, they were extremely high on Vander Esch at the time. He had a really good rookie season in Dallas. Hasn't really panned out since then. But he's checks all the boxes for New England. Six foot four. 255 pounds, 250. It's got some injury history, but when you look back at his workouts and things like that from his draft profile, this guy was an elite athlete coming out of Boise State. You know they like the agility drills too, and sub 6'9", three-cone guy coming out of Boise State too. He checks pretty much every single box that Bill Belichick has at linebacker. And similar to what I said when we were talking about Trey Flowers, I, I, you can't have all rookies, right? Like you can't have all right. young guys. And when they have Bentley gone, when they have Hightower gone, when they have Van Noy gone, when they have Jamie Collins gone, like I want to play the kids too, but you got to have one guy in there that has some NFL experience and, and that's been there and done it a little bit. Vander Esch at least has played a lot of football in Dallas, but I, I think that he's going to be an interesting target for them and somebody that they're going to go uh, be in on come next week as well. Yeah, I just don't know. 54 games in four years. He has the injury history. I know I, I get your point about like you need some veterans, but do you pay him? And he's going to get some serious money. Do you pay him what it's going to take to get him or do you draft Leo Schnall in the third round? Right. Why not both? Like, that's my whole I thing guess. is I, I don't think that they're going to pay have to pay him through the nose. I think it'd be like a 
eight million dollar per year type of contract, maybe even less. He's the classic. You think that you think that's what his market's going to be? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean. Oh then then yeah, I could get in on. It. I injury just, again, history. It, injury history. Uh, tape last year wasn't very good. I think the biggest thing though, when you look at it with a guy like Vanderesh, is how many times have we seen Bill Belichick do the failed first round pick at his first stop, we're going to fix him, right? We're going to bring him here, put him in his right, right. role, and he's going to be a player for us. I'm not saying that Leighton Vanderesh is going to turn into like this year's Stefan Gilmore or anything crazy like that, but he is definitely a better fit for what the Patriots do than what Dan Quinn does with his, we were just talking about the Seattle sure. three. Yeah. I, that's not Leighton Vanderesh's game. I just, Leighton Vander Esch isn't a failed first round pick because he can't play. He's been really, really good when he's on the field. Yeah. He just can't stay on the field. And it's not like, remember last year when we were talking about Hunter Henry, right? And everybody was coming at, you know, oh, injuries, injuries, injuries. Right. They were a bunch of stupid little fluky things that were all unrelated. Right. And I pushed because I yeah. want to be consistent here. I pushed back on that. I said, I'm not worried about Hunter Henry's injury history. Leighton Vander Esch, isn't it like neck issues? Yeah, neck, and it's back. kind of been yeah. the same thing and concussion. So that, that to me, I'm gonna look up exact that. I'm gonna look up exactly what they are. That to me is more of a red flag. That's a guy with a repeated, you know, yeah. So he had a nerve issue in his neck. He had to undergo surgery for that in 2019. In 2020, he had to undergo another surgery on his neck, and he missed time. Last year, he played the full year, but the Cowboys turned down his option. He's a good player. Cowboys have a better look at him medically than anybody else. Neck injuries in a middle linebacker, that worries me. That worries me a lot. I think he can get a comparable player. Even in free agency, I think he get a comparable player. He might have to pay a little more, but what's the point in paying him if he's not going to be able to play? I think this is a one-year prove-it type of deal if, the, okay. if it comes to fruition with New England where – So maybe I'm, maybe I'm overestimating his market. Yeah, they're, they're putting him in the right system. They're putting him in the right role, and he's a former first-round pick who's got a ton of raw talent, and you bring him in and see if you can get the best. I don't think that they're going to go out and break the bank uh, for a guy like Leighton Vander Esch, but I remember they're, they're, they loved him in the 18 draft. They've been talking to him now. It just sounds like somebody that they've been interested in for a while now. And I think in Dallas, they haven't exactly put him in the spot that they, that he's best to be suited in. And so I think that they feel like uh, maybe they could get some better production out of him. The other thing I, with this whole linebacker thing and like, I, it's not like on full Jeff Thomas level, because at least these guys are better uh, than, than Jeff Thomas ever was. But the, the Cam McGrone and Raquan McMillan love that started in New England already for two guys that have never really played a down for the Patriots yet in the NFL, at least in McGrone's case, like let's relax a little bit, right? Like I, I, I liked Cam McGrone coming out too. I thought he was a really good prospect. I think he probably would have gone end of the third round somewhere around there. If he was healthy, he's a good player in in theory right like it's a good prospect right. but we've thought ronnie perkins was a decent prospect we've thought anthony jennings was a decent prospect we've thought josh uche chase winovich like go right on down the line like i think this jump to just assume that a guy like cam McGrone or a guy like raekwon mcmillan is going to step up and step in to this gigantic role next year and be an instant star is just we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, I think, on those two guys. Like, they're nice pieces, but let's calm right. down. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say this. 
I think uh, McGrone's an unknown. McGrone, he's coming off tour in ACL. I agree with you. He's an exciting prospect. There's been a lot of exciting prospects that haven't panned out. Right. I'll put stock in Raekwon McMillan because he's played at a high level in the NFL before. I don't think he's coming in one-for-one swap with Dante Hightower, right? Or, or, right? or with Juwan Bentley. I think he can be a part of the equation. I think if you go into it and your three inside linebackers will just, because we've been talking about these names, right? If your three inside linebackers are, say, Leighton Van Der Esch, one of those guys we've been talking about in the draft, Leo Chanel, Quay Walker, Troy Anderson. Right. And then and then uh, Raekwon McMillan. Like, if those are your three middle linebackers, that's a pretty good group. I feel good about that group. It's yeah. not just Raekwon McMillan, but I do think it's fair to say, assuming he stays healthy, because that that's been the issue throughout his career with Raekwon McMillan. He gets hurt a lot. But if he's healthy, he he is a good player. I said this last year when they signed him. He is a good player. He can contribute on that defense. I still believe that. He's not going to be an 85% snap guy. I didn't think he would be last year before he got hurt. Yeah, no, he seems like somebody that might actually play in passing downs more than anything, right? I I was going to say, can he be like a 60% snap guy that maybe is mainly focused on a specialist role and then you use to keep guys fresh on, on other downs? Yeah, I could absolutely see that. Um, I, I, I would, I, I'm fine putting some stock in Raekwon McMillan. I am fine with that. Yeah. He had a really nice summer last year too. So he did play at an NFL practice at least, right? Cameron McGrone, right, we right. haven't seen anything out of. So he I practiced, do. we haven't, but he did practice in, in November, December. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just think that we're jumping the, the shark a little bit on those two guys. And I think I with McGrone, I think yeah. you're trying to say this and you're dancing around it. Even if McGrone is a good player, a lot of these guys, they tear their ACL. They're not fully back to form until right. their second year back, right? That first yeah. year back is kind of a feeling out process. So even if McGrone is a guy, even if he is a part of it, even if you think, hey, they picked him and they got a steal and I loved him as a prospect and he's a player. I still think you need to temper your expectations for 2022. If we want to get super high on camera grown for 2023, like if he comes out and he looks decent, the comp I would give you actually, I'm going to cross sports here momentarily or or just for a second here. Garrett Whitlock with the Red Sox, right? And baseball's back. Yeah. Garrett Whitlock underwent Tommy John. The Red Sox drafted him in the roll five because the Yankees didn't want to deal with his rehab. Last year, he pitched in the bullpen. Nobody knew what to expect. He was a very hyped prospect, but really nobody knew what to expect. He was really good in the bullpen. And now it's, okay, well, now we're all in. Now I'm all in on him in the starting rotation because he looked really good. He didn't start last year because, again, it's like a two-year recovery process. His arm wasn't fully back. They wanted to limit his innings. That's how I am with Cameron McGrone. Let me see what he can do in a limited role this year. If he shows enough, I'm all for getting super hyped about Cameron McGrone in 2023. We need to see him on the tw- on the field in 2022 first just to get a base reading of where he's at. Yeah, I mean, look, the the odds that that group, right, Ronnie Perkins, Josh Bledsoe, Cam McGrone, some of these guys that have redshirted in recent years, the odds that those guys all are bad or whatever you want to all bust right. or whatever you want to call is – not not incredibly high. Like, it feels like they probably will get a player out of one of those guys, right, at least. So I, I can understand the optimism. I, I just – I think that there is this notion that 
all they should do is play the kids and see what comes of it. And Cameron Grown practice at the end of last year. He's going to obviously practice in camp and he, he's healthy. He's ready to go and practice in, uh, over the spring and over the summer. And we'll see. But there's a reason behind the scenes. And, it's, and it goes beyond just Kyle Van Noy and, and having guys that were here that were veterans. There is a reason if Ronnie Perkins was as good as Christian Barmore was, he would have been on the field. Right. Like there's a reason that those guys were yeah. on the field. Like Christian Barmore pushed older players right aside and said, I'm here. Like I'm a star. I'm playing. Right. And if Ronnie, not, not saying that Ronnie Perkins, like not to, you know, crap all over him, but if behind the scenes at practice, Ronnie Perkins was lighting it up and was unblockable they're not going to keep him off the field just because he's young. Like they didn't do that with Ramondre. They didn't do that with Barmore. Matt they did Jones. it with Damian Harris. Yeah, they did with Damian Harris. I think that was a little bit of a different, of a different time. I would say. Right, so he, here's the thing. I, I think there are players. You're not entirely wrong, but I think there are players that we talk about floor and ceiling, right? That the floor ceiling gap is so high in w- whether it's to work on technique whether it's to simply build up an NFL body, yeah. get in the weight room. I think there are guys that can change their player profile in one year in an NFL system. Like Ronnie Perkins, I think, is a guy like that. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned some other guys there. You know, they sat Chase Winovich. They sat Josh Uche. Right. Like those guys, I think just there were better veterans ahead of them. They couldn't earn the playing time. I do think there are some guys that really Ooh. change their profile in a year. Fair enough. It's just a matter of sort. Like, I, I put Perkins in that category. I'm expecting a big year from Ronnie Perkins this year. It's about sorting out which guy is which. I, I you know, so, yeah, I, I, I would sort it like that. And then yeah. not every rookie is going to be Christian Barmore. Christian Barmore was a freaking stud. Yeah, and so is Ramondre Stevenson. And so is Max, That's right? True. Like, they, they know those guys did work out right away. Ronnie Perkins, I think, was also Whoa. a case. AFC is getting better. <laughs> AFC is getting better. You ready for this? Okay, Felger, what do you got? AFC West is getting better. We need a breaking news sounder. Oh, yeah. Ian Rappaport, sources. The Bears are closing in on a trade of pass rusher. Nah, stop scrolling. The Bears are closing in on a trade of pass rusher Khalil Mack, sending him to the Los Angeles Chargers for prime draft pick compensation. Interesting. The Chargers needed some more people on the defensive line. They need somebody to go get Russell Wilson. Yeah, Joey Bosa is not doing it all by himself. Khalil Mack is not... He's not Raiders Khalil Mack anymore. He's still a good player, though, right? I mean, it's, you still well, take He was Khalil also Mack. just playing for a really bad team and a really bad coaching yeah. staff. Oh, well, yeah, that, that's true. But, yeah, I, the Chargers, that a- AFC West, that's a shootout, right? Like, you got to realize that there's going to be no easy divisional games in the AFC West. So you better load up with talent. We talked about this on the last show. You know, poor Josh McDaniels out, out, goes out there to the Raiders and gets Russell Wilson and Khalil Mack traded into his division in his first offseason as the Raiders head coach. So that's going to be a really interesting situation. In the chat, a little bit of an interesting question here about this trade. Uh, does this move the needle at all on Jordan Davis, right? Because 17 to the Chargers is a very hot, trendy mock draft situation now, right? That's right. that's a big one. Obviously, Khalil Mack is an edge rusher, outside linebacker, DN hybrid. He doesn't play the nose. Uh, but they've already invested heavy resources on the defensive line. Maybe they don't want to then go ahead and use a first-round pick also on the defensive line. I guess well, there's a to be made there. 
So it says premium draft compensation. What are the odds that pick goes to Chicago? Also, what'd you say the other day about there's nobody next to Joey, uh, Joey Bosa? Yes. Now there is. Yeah. Now there is. Oh, so here we go. It's a second and a sixth. Yeah. In so. 2023, both. Ne- right. Oh no. So the chargers are still. So let me flip that on you. Okay. Here's, here's your line across left to right. Joey Bosa, Jordan Davis. Yeah. Khalil Mack. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't stop the run to, to save their lives last year. And yeah. now all of a sudden that run defense looks totally different, right? I mean, that's that's the sort of offseason they needed to have. That was pretty much the only hole on their football team besides offensive line. It was out in Los Angeles. It was pretty much get rid of Storm Norton at right tackle, right? Get somebody better at right tackle than Storm Norton and right. beef up the defensive line to improve your run defense. Because you know Staley, you hate him. I He's too high. Right. He's, he's a, a too high. He's a too high shell guy. He doesn't give he's, a shit. He can be whatever shell he wants. He's not a good coach. Okay. Regardless, he plays too high a lot. He plays the man short in the box. He doesn't give a shit about the, the run game. And if you don't have an Aaron Donald, if you don't, they have a Joey Bosa. Now they have a Cleo Mack. If you don't have guys on the defensive line, if you don't have dudes on the defensive line in that kind of system. And you're going to get run all over playing a man short in the box because good OCs, good play callers, uh, good game planners, they're going to notice that and they're going to know exactly how to run the football down your throats. Right. So that's exactly what happened last year with the chargers. Their run defense was putrid. Uh, now they go ahead and, and get a little bit better. Cause Khalil Mack is not just a pass. That guy can set the edge too. well-rounded player. Very yeah. kind of like what I described Trey flowers as before. He's like the peak of that. Yeah. That sort of player. Um, I absolutely, no, I would not rule the chargers out for Jordan Davis at all. I would not, if anything, I think it's more likely now again, Joey Bosa, Jordan Davis, Khalil Mack across that line. Good luck. Yeah. Good that's, luck. That's how you revamp it in one offseason, right? Yeah. I would say this too. I th- and maybe the Patriots are included in this. I think there were probably a lot of to- uh, teams that thought like we did. Jordan Davis isn't getting past 17. Now maybe they start calling the Chargers about that 17th pick. Now maybe they know because they right. Do you get right. what I'm saying? So yeah. I still think the floor for Jordan Davis could be 17 because now that pick's very available. You know, if the Chargers had done all their work on Jordan Davis and blah, blah, blah. So I, I still don't think Patriots can get him at 21. Could they maybe move up a couple spots and get him? Sure. But, you know, is that the best use of their assets when they only have six picks in a very loaded draft? No, it's not. As good as Jordan Davis is. So, yeah, I don't uh, – I yeah, I, I wouldn't I, – Jordan Davis still, to me, not falling. It's in, it's really interesting though because well the Chargers are among the team uh, among the leaders in cap space going into free agency they were one or two the last time I checked in cap space we're but two, they, yeah. just, they just gave twenty million dollars to Mike Williams and then they're paying a substantial amount of money for is, Khalil Mack is Mack's deal that bad because he signed it a few years ago. It's not a terrible deal. It evened out with like inflation. It's not a terrible deal as far as I remember. I can look it up real quick, but I mean, he's still going to be a a double digit per year player. I mean, he's Cleo Mack, right? So it's not, you're not getting him for pennies here. uh, I I doubt. So, uh, $10.4 million cap hit. Is that right? So he's got a, he's got, he's due $12 million in cash this year. Um, Sometimes the bonuses that he's due, it's like a 17 and a, like a seventeen or eighteen million dollar cap hit, yeah. His his total cash due is seventeen point seven five million. So okay. that's yeah. that, 
that's where we're at with the Chargers. I feel like the Chargers' two big moves are off the board. Mike Will retaining Mike Williams and trading for Cleo Mack seems like the the two big dominoes to fall out in uh, in LAC. They also have a ton of draft capital, so we'll we'll see what ends up happening with that too. But I would say I would say this too. The you know how everybody's always like, man, if only the players actually tried in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, watch an AFC West game this year. That's what it'll be. Yeah, it's it's, it's gonna be problems. Yeah, yeah, that's unreal. But the AFC East did once have both Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. So yeah, if you want to claim best division, that's that's pretty freaking good. That's pretty yeah. freaking good. So after the Patriots released Kyle Vinoy the other day, just to wrap this up, uh, they freed up a little bit of cap space. I think there was a lot of questions earlier in the chat uh, about. When are they going to free up more cap space and things like that? They don't actually have to free up cap space right away. They, they're going to be cap compliant next week anyway. So I would anticipate things like Matthew Judon's salary conversion potentially or Jalen Mills, same thing, roster to uh, salary bonus or whatever the case may be, the way that they go about it. That doesn't necessarily have to happen right away. I think that might be a couple weeks down the line uh, when they – sort of make their moves and and see what space they have to get. I think the big thing is though, and the chargers had all the money in the world to do this with, with Cleo Mack and Mike Williams. But I I always want to remind people this time of year that this is very, the cap is very flexible. Like I'm not a full cap is crap. Michael Felger take person, but the cap is very flexible and what the Patriots tend to do with their contracts is they tend to backload deals. They give you guaranteed money immediately up front and then they backload the contract in terms of cap hits. So for instance, last year they signed Hunter Henry to that three year, $37.5 million deal. His cap hit in 2021 was just under $7 million. Even though he had a contract that was worth over $12 million AAV, it didn't all hit the cap right away. So the Patriots have a lot of ways that they can be flexible, that they can be creative uh, with the way that their money works in the cap in terms of 2022. So with all that being said, I don't really think anything is off the table. I I don't think there's any move that's necessarily off the table. They're not going to go out and sign four or five day one free agents. Like we know that they're not going on another spending spree. But in terms of adding an Allen Robinson, in terms of adding uh, somebody of that ilk at the top of the free agent class or making a trade for a top end wide receiver comes available. I think all those types of things are 100 percent on the table for New England going into free agency next week. And we didn't get to do the rapid fire, uh, but we can well, wait. Uh, hang on. We, we do have another little news item here. This is very interesting. Today is nuts. Yeah, I can sleep tonight this is great. I love days like this. <laughs> Jay Glazer, Eagles almost had deal done for Calvin Ridley last month. Falcons backed out last minute, but weren't able to tell Eagles why. They actually handled it great after a lot of confusion. Philly respected them for how they handled a very difficult situation, a very different situation. Here's here's why this is interesting. Calvin Ridley was as good as traded last month. Yeah. We sure the Patriots are going to get him? Like, this makes it sound like Calvin Ridley has been out of the Patriots' plans for a while. And so when you put in some of these other names, right, maybe there's some more urgency to that. Cause I think everything was framed until was it on Monday that that story broke? I think on Monday, everything was framed as, ah, oh, this is all plan B behind Calvin Ridley. No, this has been the pursuit. They they've been out on Ridley. It sounds like for at least a month. Yeah. 
which I think is significant to know. Yeah, that is an interesting point. And my assumption is, and this is another thing that when we had Pat's cap on right at the end of the season uh, to preview the offseason, he talked about, we threw out a bunch of names and you know, he was saying that in the trade market, the biggest issue that the Patriots have is they simply do not have the draft capital to compete with some of these other teams on the trade market. They just don't have. Right. Well, I mean, the Eagles have three first round picks. Right. Nobody's so the Eagles them. have the, who have three first round picks. My understanding is that the Patriots would have been in on Calvin Ridley, but my guess is the Eagles outbid them. So that's right. why that's why they went to the Eagles. You know, that's why he was going to go to the Eagles if uh, this whole thing didn't come out. If you have three first round picks and you feel like Calvin Ridley is worth it, then now, oh, instead of three, we have two shucks and we have Calvin Ridley, right? You know, yeah. so that's a much different situation than the Patriots having to give up a first round pick and now you're not picking until 54. It's, you're right. It, it That is interesting in terms of, it was clear that the Patriots were at least not going to get Calvin Ridley if a trade did go through. And this is the problem that they have now. Maybe a guy like Robbie Williams, uh, Robbie Williams, Robbie Anderson has not got the market that a guy like Calvin Ridley does. So if that's truly the guy that they really want, it's a little bit different. But if they, some of these receivers, if somebody's disgruntled and we don't find out about it right away, but then eventually it comes to light that somebody's available that the Patriots should be interested in. They, they're going to lose bidding wars to most of these teams that have better draft capital than they do. And that's just a fact that, you know, it's just kind of a, a harsh reality. And maybe that's why they do end up trying to give a bag to Allen Robinson. Right. Cause like you said, they, they don't have to outbid somebody with draft capital to get them. So you give him what he wants and, and right. you give him a blank check and you call it a day. Can can we revisit that 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 other story real quick? Because the, the compensation's out now, so it's actually a a second round pick this year, okay, and then a sixth round pick in twenty twenty three for Mac. I get that they're eating a lot of salary. The Chargers are. That's not enough. That's robbery by the Chargers, right? And like, unless I'm missing something there. So so the reason I bring this up, and I don't know that he would ever resign there because it was such a mess. Are the Bears trying to bring back Allen Robinson? Like they, they're they clearly desperate to open up money. What's the move, right? Yeah. It feels like they, if not Robinson, they're going to be in the market for a wide receiver. Yeah. They're probably going to be in the market for a corner. I, maybe, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too far into it. That feels like a significant, significant underpay by the Chargers for Khalil Mack, which means the Bears were desperate to open up money for some reason. The fact that they do it now makes me think maybe it's because they're trying to retain somebody. Well, you also have to remember that Cleo Max contract doesn't end this year, right? I mean, he's got a couple more years at high cap hits left on his deal. But, it, so, but, but at the same time, it's a multi-year deal. You generally pay more for guys who are under team control. Right. But I'm just saying that in terms of investment from the bears point of view, they're looking, I think they're looking at their thing as an entire, a, a complete rebuild. And so Chicago. they're just happy. So they're just happy to get out of the money. Is what yeah, you're saying. I, I think they're trying to clear their books. That because still feels, but it, but still, what what just, is it? So you you kick to something to sell the farm. There's a saying, or you cut well, off the hand lot, to save the finger. There's just not a lot of teams out there that are so under the cap that they can trade for a guy with an 18 million dollar cap hit, right? I mean, I, okay, but that's that's ridiculous. A second and a sixth. I don't know, Alex. I mean, like he's 31 years old. He's 
still Khalil Mack, but I don't think that he's all world, you know, all perennial, all pro Khalil Mack anymore. And he's due a whole lot of money. Like, like who, who are they bidding it's, against? It's not even a top 50 pick. Who oh, wait, or is it? Yeah, it's the 48th pick. Who are they bidding against though? Like, that's, that's my that's point. Fair. Like, like who, who's out there that has the capital that has the, the, the salary cap space to out to, to get into this sweepstakes for Khalil Mack. Like, I don't know. I, I think we're seeing around the league more and more that guys that are over the age of 30, like, you know, like a name in new England that everybody ha- has thrown out since uh, Russell Wilson's trade is Tyler Lockett. Right. right. And I, I've tried to figure out what roughly would be Tyler Lockett's market in a trade. And a lot of people come back with second round pick, right? Because heck, Muhammad Sanu got traded for a second round pick to New England. A few yeah, years that ago. that kind of that 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 throws the curve, right? So Tyler Lockett's got to be worth at least a second round pick. But other people have said there's term on his contract. He's over the age of thirty. You know, only a few teams are really going to want to look to make that kind of move. It's not going to be a line of half the league out to sign the guy you know it's different it's different than like right. bobby wagner who gets released and you can sign him for for a fresh new contract that's not three four years down the line or whatever the case may be it, it's it's different when you go that route than well, having to acquire a player that's currently under contract that has term remaining on the contract so okay, I, I maybe maybe it's two apples and oranges if you're looking at value because they're different pos- positions. But now, what does this make Lockett's value? A fourth and a future sixth, just a fourth, just a future fourth. Like yeah, this makes me think Tyler Lockett is very attainable for the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if they're w- willing to trade him, I, I think right now Seattle, you can't believe a single word that comes out of that building right now because a, a couple weeks ago at the combine. Pete Carroll was saying that they weren't trading Russell Wilson and they were working on the Russell Wilson trade the entire time that he was lying through his teeth to the media about trading Russell Wilson. So the initial report by Adam Schefter after the Russell Wilson trade was that this wasn't a fire sale in Seattle and they're not just parts. And then they released Bobby Wagner like a day later. Right. So it's It's like two hours later. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, is it, is it a fire sale or is it not a fire sale? Right. So, right. I think Tyler Lockett can be had. I think if you made a call to Seattle and you offered them something that they felt comfortable with compensation wise, that you could convince them into trading him. I, you know, and, and again, I, like I, we were talking about with Allen Robinson, the wide receivers, all of these types of moves are on the table for new England. They are looking in all corners and all avenues under every, every, no stone unturned with this wide receiver market, whether it's a UFA, whether it's a trade, whether it's an RFA, whether it's the draft, they've done tons of homework on the draft as well. They've met with all of the guys at the combine. They've met with Chris Olave. They've met with Traylon Burks. They've met with Jamison Williams. Like they're, they're right now. And I'm sure that they probably have solidified this. If not already, they are trying to figure out what's the best place to put our eggs, right? Like we, we know we're going to make a move. We hope we're going to make a move. Is it the free agent route? Is it the trade route? Is it the draft route? But they have gone out and they've done, as Mike Giardi said, extensive work on the entire landscape at wide receiver. And and I would put Tyler Lockett in that category, right? I put Allen Robinson in that category and I put the draft guys in that category. I don't know if I'd put Amari Cooper in that category in the chat. I don't know. I, 
I don't necessarily think that they're one of the teams that are going to be in on Amari Cooper because apparently Dallas is going to be able to trade Amari Cooper potentially. And I don't think I would gonna... think so. I was kind of surprised yeah. they were just releasing him. Yeah, I don't think that they're gonna they're gonna pick up that salary. So we'll see. We'll see. But Alex and I will be back on the pod next week. Whenever there is free agent news, we'll do a show that day. So I don't want to set a time and date because we don't really know when the news uh, Patriots. Oh, also, we never got the comp picks today. We didn't get the comp picks today. They might, maybe we'll get those tomorrow. We'll definitely get them soon. And yeah. uh, if there's breaking news Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, we'll do a show uh, that evening or whenever we can get on here and break down whatever it is that the Patriots ended up doing. And uh, I, I, I think that there's, like I said, uh, it's the big move that everybody is kind of expecting them to make. If they do make one is that wide receiver. If not, then I think that they're going to be looking to retain their own free agents, go after some buy low candidates. Like I mentioned, Leighton Vander Esch potentially as kind of that failed first rounder that they can get on the cheap. And then maybe some complimentary day three type day four free agents, like a Jakeem Grant or someone along those lines. But I do think they're going to make some moves. I do think it's, I don't think it's going to be all stale, all quiet. So Alex and I will be back on the pod next week as soon as we have some of these moves and we can start discussing these things. And this is, we love the draft here too. This is one of the best weeks of, of the off season. One of the best weeks of the NFL calendar, I would say just in general, in some ways, the off season is more fun than the season itself. Do you disagree with that, Alex? Or are you um, I, I think that's probably more where we specialize, where I specialize. I don't know. Like, I love yeah. watching football. You know, nothing's better than watching football. What'll be nice is when we have the USFL on so I can watch football and do the team building thing at the same time. I would say what's nice about this year, which is cool, we get MLB free agency tonight as like a warm-up, right? <laughs> and it's going to be wild tonight. I think it's going to be really wild tonight and into tomorrow. So we get a nice little like free agency appetizer, then conference basketball tournaments over the weekend, plus the players championship. Oh, and, you know, that's golf. I don't know. I know you don't know, but that's golf championship. Jesus. Also uh, uh hockey East tournament this weekend as well. And then that slides us right into the legal tampering period on Monday. Awesome. Good time to be a sports fan. Imagine not yeah. liking sports. Great time be to be a sports fun. fan. It's going to be it, fun. Don't, don't start with me on golf. I just, Oh, come on. Come uh, look up, look up the 17th hole in the players championship. Tell me that doesn't it, look sick. It's the, the island one, right? Yeah. 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 I know what it is. All right. People, some Amen people like golf. I'm not saying you have to watch it. I'm not saying you have to watch it. You can go watch college across. That's also this weekend too. Some big games, whatever you want to watch. I'm just saying no. And then in like three weeks, it'll be opening day. The Masters, oh, March the Madness. Madness. Yeah. Oh, come on. You the cannot Masters. like the Masters. The Masters is great. The Masters uh, is great. The only Get time the Masters is great. And is then it's the one, draft. The only time the Masters is good is if one Eldrick Woods is playing in the match. That makes Masters. it better. He's not playing, right? As far as I know. When when El Tigre comes back, Evan comes back. That's the way that I look right. at golf. All, all right? right. Well, we got it. And then look, and then after all that, it's the draft. And then after the draft, guess what? It's summer. Like this is it's, it's such summer. you, you <laughs> really summer. it doesn't no, have but to be that's the thing. You summer. go from you go from opening day to March Madness or, or from a, a spring training to March Madness to NFL free agency to opening day to the Masters to the NFL draft. Boom, it's May. It's summer. You're out chilling on the beach flies by great time go. of year i love it i'm so excited all right all right well 
whatever floats your boat with golf i suppose all right and uh alex and i like i said for the seventh time uh we'll be back next week we'll, we'll talk all about these free agent moves go celtics indeed I yes like in the nba and nhl yeah. playoffs are in there too that's right yeah and uh alex and i will be back next week to talk about all the free agency moves for the patriots hopefully they do some things that uh, give us something to talk about and then right after free agency first week or so once things die down a little bit we're gonna go right back into draft talk and uh full bore on the draft we'll do the live mock draft shows uh starting right after free agency as well so a lot of things to be excited about here on patriots beat and we'll see you guys next week so much thanks so much for watching for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast, Patriots Beat, on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcasts for a lot more exclusive content right here on the CLNS Media Network.